You're listening to the Irish Times. Monday morning and I have not just you, Gav. I'm glad to have you. But sometimes I'm glad to have you. But I have Mary Hannigan. Are you gladder? Way gladder. Good. It's always a good. Sorry, Gav. Yeah, it's nothing to do with me. Uh, Gavin Kominski is here. Mary Hannigan is here. The gang is all here. We're going to have John O'Sullivan later on to talk some rugby. But first of all, Mary, I have you in for a special segment that we're going to do in a little while on uh, the dread subject of ghostwriting because it's good uh, book season. But um, far more interestingly, he says, putting people off the second segment of the show, (laughs) (laughs) uh, your curse, your usual curse, the curse that we all bring around with us, uh, was lifted over the weekend. Spectacularly. So, you interviewed Katrina Parrock. I did, uh, ahead of the FAI Cup final. So I was then fairly certain she would be dropped. Dropped or, or shot. Damaged or, her yeah, ligament yeah. or something. Because this happens to us all. It uh, it happens to me fairly spectacularly, <laughs> I have to say. Someday I will compile a list of the bad luck I have brought on people in various countries. Hey, what are you getting future interviews? In? <laughs> I, I was going to mention to her ahead of chatting, like, you know, Never. I should let you know. No, no, I'll just say it afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, very, very happy that my woman scored the winner in the FAI Cup final. So my curse is dead. What a, what a she's a fantastic story. Amazing story, absolutely Isn't she? amazing. I mean, so best, tell tell the people a little bit. Well, she's best known for camogie, but she played pretty much everything. Um, she was a very good hockey player mm. and played Gaelic football. Play, but her main two were soccer and camogie, and she won an Irish under nineteen cap in soccer. So that was a route she mm. might have gone down. But she also happened to be pretty brilliant at mm. camogie, so she had to kind of make a decision at, at one point, as as they all do. And an amazing record then in camogie. I think she was just turned seventeen. She came on um, for Wexford. 2007 yeah. final and not a bother on her got a point and kind of helped them on the way to beating Cork their first All-Ireland title in 27 oh, years an incredible breakthrough yeah. Back then, yeah and an amazing team like they didn't mm. win it next couple of years but then came back and did a three in a row and she was you know, player of the match and most of them and won three All-Stars she was brilliant absolutely brilliant but then just fell out of love yeah. with it all after a few years and she just said herself, it got to the point where she, when she was running out in the pitch, she was like, why am I here? I'm mm. just not loving this anymore. And there was personal stuff too. Her mom wasn't well. Um, her mom had breast cancer then. So she just kind of had a look at her decision making at that stage and decided like Komogi was kind of her whole life. Like she really didn't have much time for much else. So just decided to step away but then, of course, it was in the local paper and her phone never stopped ringing yeah. from managers and every other sport come play for us. So um, in the end, she went with Wexford Utes. Now, she'd never given up soccer, like when the camogie season Yeah, she played away over, in the winter and all that kind of stuff. She played yeah. away. and But always, she said she just always loved it. So Wexford Utes, who were flying, mm. said, come play with us. So she decided, yeah, she'd give that a go. So now she is the owner of so three All Ireland Camogie medals, an FAI Cup medal, won the league with Wexford as well mm. this season and last season. She came in halfway through mm. their season last time, 
Um, they've done the treble this year. They won the shield as well. So, um, but she does have plenty of room in her kind of medal cabinet. <laughs> alas. Listen. This is the other side of the tale, yeah. <laughs> there was a bit of redecorating going on in her home and her camogie medals were put safely into a black bag. And um, we know what happened next. Out it went to the dump. To the trash. Never to be seen again. So um, yeah, so she has so a So show us your space. medals, Katrina. <laughs> I, if I head away down to the dump and scavenge and you might find them. Because she said to me, so I have the memories of those All Irelands, but I don't have the medals. And I'm like, huh? What? Yeah. So yeah, so um, that, that was a bit sad, but... Uh, but, but she's all, replaced all came them. Up Millhouse for her yesterday with uh, and beautiful goal too. Took it goal, really yeah. well. Lo- yeah. Lovely, nifty footwork. Must be said. Them. Must be said that they were lucky not to give away a late penalty <laughs> with the most outrageous stonewall penalty I've was, seen in a long time. It was kind of a fairly spectacular non-decision, I must say. Amber Barrett, um, I think, is still mm. staring at the referees and what's going laugh. on. I was, I, I saw on, on the RT News last night, Ivan. Cullen was was doing sort of doing the voiceover, doing the sports news, and and she she could barely keep in. I know, like she nearly burst out laughing when when it came up on the screen it again. Nuts. It was and there was another one too earlier, which was pretty close to in the Stonewall department. Mm. So yeah, that 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 was a, a bit odd. But anyway, Wexford went Parrot. through. Yeah, amazing character. The A, the A. And she wants to give rugby a go at some oh, she point. She does, yeah. yeah so yeah. why stop now? Kind oh, of thing. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I know. I, 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 it's never too late. Probably get in and play against England on the Friday night there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 5 pm in Donnybrook. <laughs> the main reason, or the, the, the secondary reason we have you in, Mary, is uh, I wanted to do this is this around this time of year is, is when I certainly uh, find myself reading all the sports books for Christmas. And, of course, every year uh, a, a selection of them are sportsmen's autobiographies, sportswomen's autobiographies, uh, as there are this year. Of course, Daunton has one out. Uh, ghostwritten by the fantastic uh, Mary White. That's right. Um, you have done the uh, Boswell job for Des Cahill this year. Play it again, Des, yeah. Play it again. again. Uh, Gavin, you, uh, I, I, when I mentioned this to you last week, I said, and of course you've done one, Gavin, and you said, you took great umbrage and said, well, I've done two. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't done any since. I mean, yeah, indeed. What uh, your uh, masters were? Uh, I was I had two completely contrasting experiences. One was um, the great Michael McLaughlin from Penguin uh, gave me my first opportunity with Bernard Dunn. yeah. Which was really great, but they were like flipping three months there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like 2009. Brilliant experience. Really good for me. Teach you how to really research, how to really dig deep. Mm. But uh, three months in each other's shoes, it was, it was cool. And then the next one was Jordan Murphy, which was supposed to be a quick enough job, but then he kept getting fit again and kept, got back into the Ireland team. <laughs> and, so and not retiring. A six-month job became an 18 months wow. of going back and forth to Leicester. I've been to more Leicester Northampton games than anyone <laughs> in Ireland, which is the derby, the one you want to go to. Like, yeah. So that became an 18 month or so. It's normally you, you, you need time pressure is good. 18 months is needed. That's an worse. amazing contrast. Because <laughs> yeah. just too much time then, you right, know. Right. But, um, and my experience, my experience was with uh, Ruby Walsh back in around 2009, 2010. And uh, m- much like that, uh, um, I, had, I was actually doing another book at the time. Uh, and I remember clear as day, I was doing a, a book on the history of Lansdowne Road. It was closed at the time. With Jer. With Jer Siggins. Yeah. And I remember clear as day, finishing the last chapter of the uh, Lansdowne Road book 
going out, getting a bagel and finishing the bagel and starting transcribing <laughs> transcribing some of uh, Ruby oh Watts. <laughs> like it's literally, two jobs. Literally it's fift- two. 15 minutes later, you know. <laughs> so what I wanted to do uh, was to kind of demystify on some level or, or, or maybe remystify on other levels what is involved. Um, what are the downfalls and pitfalls and, and what are the upsides of it all? Um, Mary, so tell us a wee bit about uh, working with Des. Like, how, how did that come about and uh, how long ago did you start? Um, it was quick enough, not quite as quick as, as your Bernard Dunn one, um, probably four or five months, I mm. think. But I would imagine that there would be a huge contrast if you're dealing with someone like Daz, who you pretty much... A storyteller. A story. Turn on your tape yes. recorder and file your nails yeah. and like off he goes, <laughs> kind of. Whereas, I'd, yeah, that, that too. I, I didn't file on time, by the way. Did I actually you? did took five months, <laughs> if I'm honest. Okay. But yeah, so that's pretty straightforward then. But I would imagine probably working with... Well, Bernard's done lots of media yeah, stuff too. Yeah, he was great, yeah. But, but Des would have been very interesting. Yeah, and literally, that's what it was. Just turn mm. out, I could have gone off like for a coffee and just <laughs> left him chatting away. So you did nothing at all, really? Yeah. Nothing. I was yeah. the typist. Yeah, typist yeah, sure. For the whole thing. Well, on that, though, the typist, that, that's... I mean, it's a horrible, horrible <laughs> job. Like, it really, like, and it, I think months people, and months of transcription. People pass over the transcription. I think it's vital. And I, I mean this in my everyday job. I think it's vital you do your own transcription because you can, first of all, you hear the voice mm. yeah. and it kind of seeps into your brain and you start to try and you start to write like them when, when you try to make sense of the transcription. It's, 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 it's literally torture. But yeah. I, I think it's the best way to do it. I found, uh, I found a lovely, uh, uh, ex-secretary, retired secretary in Drogheda to uh, transcribe <gasps> some of the Ruby tapes for me. That was smart. Well, I mean, yeah, uh, w- except, you know, and no more than myself at the time, literally wouldn't have known the front end of a horse from the back. Right. Uh, and I think by the end, there was close on a thousand horses named <laughs> in this book. God. She did not get them all right. Oh no! <laughs> and so, uh, Red so you know what I mean? So, yeah. so, so the transcription. Uh, my 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 reading back of the transcription took a took a fair a fair right, amount okay. of time. So yeah. po- possibly should have. But but even at that, even just the heavy lifting of it, because the the idea, like I always think that if you have say thirty minutes of stuff on a tape, mm. that to me is ninety minutes. Of work to transcribe it, at least. At least, you know, I, I, speedy. I generally think it takes about, um, yeah, about three times the time. Uh, yeah, I think. But so. Isn't it about yeah. getting to the nub of the issue with the people? Like I, I remember with Bernard, and I'd been teeing this one up for weeks because remember Kiko Martinez knocked him out when he was yeah. the European champion, and right. he was on the road. He he was packing the point. Every criminal, every mm. pop star in Ireland, everyone was in the Point Depot to see Bernard fighting and he got knocked out after 30 seconds mm. by Kiko Martinez, this block of a Spanish guy. Mm. And like, that can end a career, you mm. know. And I, I made Bernard describe, uh, in we watched the fight together and then I made him describe the walk back to the change rooms and mm. sitting naked in the shower on his own for that hour and mm. to talk about his thoughts. And he he went back into it. He went back into that moment and... Mm. I just looking at the tape recorder going, please work. Please, please let all this be be gathered. Please work. And then, please, when he then eventually reads it back, Mm. please let him go. Yeah, that can stay. Oh, yeah, because yeah. yeah. that's the thing. Because he's re- its like he's talking about the the lowest moment of your life, you know. Yeah, and um, yeah, he did. He was great. 
yeah. there's always, I suppose, that's the conflict. Certainly with a book like that, you know what's going to be really interesting for people to read. But is he going to be happy to kind of, you know, expose well, buy, you himself? You can't ghost it. You can't do your job unless the person buys in. You know, mm. yeah. I've turned a few down because I knew the person wouldn't buy in. They were doing right. it for a few quid, like... Yeah. And as I, I would have been doing the same, mm. and and you don't get paid enough money if the other, if the person who's do, who you're ghosting is. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> uh, you bring up a very uh, crucial part of it, though, Gavin, and this is what I found uh, doing uh, Ruby's book is that there, and it was interesting for me to do it at a time when I had just written uh, another book, um, because the two experiences were so close together in time, like they, they essentially overlapped. It was interesting to realise, and there is a point at which it comes to you, that you do make a determination and you go, actually, do you know what? This is not my book. Okay. And that's the thing, yeah. that, that, that uh, you know, every time that you want something to go in that will be interesting, you have to realise that it's not your name above the door. Yeah, and you can't I, take I, it personally, yeah. And I, that's exactly it. Whereas you have, you're so invested in, in the book. I was so invested in the book that I was writing beforehand. I was really invested in this one as well. But after a couple of, you know, maybe this anecdote or that anecdote, you know, doesn't go in. Yeah, you, they go, have to you go. They're the person pissing off. They're, they're, they're telling the tale about somebody, you know. And at a certain point, you kind of go, do you know what? This isn't my book. All right. This yeah, is his yeah, book. Yeah. And I tell you, find that as well. Definitely. And and I suppose there's an element too, maybe of being a bit protective of, of the person. I mm. mean, if it's somebody you, you're very mm. fond of, mm. and I'm sure, you know, you maybe experience that, that, you know, sometimes they might say something and you're thinking, oh, you know, like the, this is going to hurt you mm. or whatever, mm. and which you shouldn't do. No, you know, you should course. just let it go. But you do. There is that element too, like... But um, but yeah, definitely you have to accept pretty early on, this is not my book. So you might be writing stuff and you're thinking, well, I don't agree with this or, you know, mm-hmm. an opinion about mm-hmm. whatever. But you just, you have to let it go. It's, it, that's, it's not. Des is, is going to kill me for this, but Des is older. Like we're talking about young men at the yes. peak of their careers. Yeah. Like Ruby Volume 2, I presume you're going to get around. I know Bernard's doing another book is himself at the moment. Wow, is right. He really? Yeah. And um but like Des has lived, <laughs> Des is twice the age of him basically. He's lived yeah, a fuller, yeah. longer life. So there's more in it. It really is an autobiography. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Well, these guys are, it's an autobiography. It's a, it's a biography about their sporting careers. Right. Mm. It's not about their entire life. Well, exactly. They're only yeah, halfway you know, through their, you know. You're making a, a, an excellent point. Like Wayne Rooney, yeah, autobiography. Yeah, well, his, and you've got to get, you've got to get those books out while they're still like, oh, that was the whole thing about Bernard Dunn had just right. lost his world title and just retired. So they were like, we need to get this book out by the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, of I was like, yeah, okay, I hear you. Yeah. Well, actually, you make a great point because Ruby was in 2010, I guess he was 30, just 30 going 31. He was the the best jockey in Britain and Ireland, you know, working for the biggest trainers in Britain and in Ireland. Mm -hmm. Like he was working for Paul Nichols and Willie Mullins at the time. So you're exactly right. He was mid-career. He was Mm -hmm. a a young man, but very fun. I'll never forget, like I lost an early fight with him over when I I sent him an early draft of uh, one of the chapters and he was reading it and um, I think it was like the, the, the one of the first passages was, was a morning in one of the stables uh, where they were riding out mm. and uh, uh, the, the word fuck was in there and it was just like somebody talking you know mm. and it's just and he says no that has to come out oh I'm I hate going, when and going, I hate when that hang happens on, <laughs> I'm going hang on like we need you know we want this to be authentic yeah. we want this and he was just kind of going yeah, but my mom is reading this, like you know, yeah, and I, you know, he says, he says, I know, 
I know I said that. I know that's how people talk yeah. in in racing yards. I know I know all of that. Yeah. But like it just looks terrible on the page <laughs> when you're reading it. And it and these are my words. And and that was a, an early fight that I lost. And I lost it with good grace. But it was I think that was around the time where I was kind of going. Do you know what? Not my book. Right. Okay. Book. Okay. Flip yeah. that over. They need to fill you. Like I I know for a fact because I was I was quite young. This is ten years ago. I did Bernard mm. Dunn's book, and I remember he realized You're a very young man. Yeah, he realized like yeah, I was twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he realized that uh, I needed he needed to fill me with confidence. Right. And so about the second or third chapter that I written was like middle chapters or something like that. He went, yeah, you nailed that. It was about Cordoba or winning the right, title yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of just his train of thought in the ring or something like that. And it wasn't that well written, you know, and it needed a load of more rewrites. And he goes, you're on track there. So I went home that day going, right, okay, I'm a good writer. Right. But you, you need to be filled with confidence. That was a great guys. relationship. and that, we were, like, You know, we were the same age, what kind of work. Right, like, okay. He was very generous to me now because, you know, right. I, yeah. I was finding my way. Like, But right. uh, they do, you, the ghost needs to be kind of told mm. that they're, mm. right. you just need to be filled with confidence because it's such a, it's like, you're like, give us 90,000 words there. You yeah. Know, give us 100,000 oh, words. It's, it's so intimidating, you know. You need to find your intimidating, somehow. But also, a completely thankless job. Yeah. You know, it is, It is the th- as you say, you're doing it as your second job. Like, you're doing it in your spare time. Like, you already have a, have a job. Bye-bye, friends and family. That takes yeah. up. That, and, you know, right. journalists don't work ordinary hours. So, it you know, your actual job takes up more hours at certain times of the year than there are in the week anyway. Um, and... You have mentioned it earlier. It's not particularly well paid. Right. You know, right. Yeah. it's grand. Mm. It's it's it a grand turned into a movie. It's it's what. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny, actually. I got offered a book about four or five years ago, and the I was going to do it, and the and the, one of the 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 agent of the of the sports uh, person that I was talking to was talking about. You know, listen. There's going to be movie rights involved in all of this. There's going to be, and you know, you know, if you want to, we can we can talk about a fee up front, or we can talk about you know a percentage of the movie rights and all that sort of stuff. That's in the standard contract, though, isn't it? Well, I said very straight, very straight up. I'll take my money up front. Thank you very much. I, know. I don't. Know. Yeah. I, I've seen a lot of fellas think about talk about how their their life is worth a movie. I haven't seen a lot of those movies this actually being Clucks made. Too, wasn't it? it was Clucko, actually, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, 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 our late our late friend Carla Mali was in for um, a Conor McGregor, right. a quickie Conor Conor McGregor really? autobiography, which yeah. was a good few years ago now. Before uh, it's, and before it's the, still it's still in the works. Hasn't been written. Yeah, it still hasn't been written. It's true. Yeah. I actually remember Tim remember us talking about it as they're going. I think movie rights like one percent of the gross or something. That yeah. is in your standard contract. Yeah. Sign that. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. this guy, you know, eventually somebody will somewhere will do yeah. something. And it will happen, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel like with Ruby? How do you feel about doing books mid career? I mean, would you love to go back when Ruby's done? Would it be a very different. It would, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was interesting at the time. Uh, I would not have done it for anybody else. Right. Uh, I had a bit of a relationship with him. I had ghosted his column in the Sunday Tribune and we'd become mates around okay. that and uh, I'd learned an awful lot about a sport that I knew nothing about uh, basically through talking to him week after week after week and he uh, he was also because he was he, he was he was absolutely the top of the top at the time mm-hmm. how often do you get asked by somebody to do that mm-hmm. uh, who's at that level so you know you, you're absolutely right. In general, you know books during a career you kind you kind of get a bit sketchy about them. Right. But I, I mean I I learned so much 
from being around him, you know, at that time. Well, it makes you a better reporter, doesn't oh, it? Oh, big time. You get inside the yard, you know, you get what it's like to be in training camps. Yeah. Because right. we don't get that from yeah, We just jobs. don't know. You know. We're on the outside of the We're world. so, and that's the other thing that you do learn. You learn how far away you are okay, in your yeah. daily job. You get why they think we're fools. Idiots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you understand. Yeah. And, 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 they tell you why. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and like you're going to, yeah, I know nothing about this, but tell me. Tell yeah. me. Yeah. Oh no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell a journalist. You know? Who's your favourite person you've ever ghosted, Mary? It has to be Brian Kerr. We kind of shared his column for ten years. No contest. We, we did. Um, Such fun no to do him, like, especially yeah. his Faroe Islands phase. It was oh, yeah, just, yeah. of course, yeah. Just, I mean, speaking like of books, that man has to do at least one. <laughs> uh, but the Faroe Islands alone. I mean, we would be, you know, like maybe Faroe Islands might have just played, so the column was to be about that, but. Pretty much it was just about life in the Faroe mm. Islands and, you know, going to visit his goalkeeper who was a prison warden. And there were two prison warden, wardens, is that the word? And Ward one I. prisoner in the Faroe Islands. Is that right? That's it. Two prison wardens and one prisoner. Apparently in the Faroes, <laughs> if you do anything really bad, which Faroe Islanders tend not to do, you go to Seen jail in Denmark. Right. Oh. The, I think there was one murder like in the last 10 years or something. So like... The fellas and wasn't on the island at the time. Like, no. to be established. <laughs> so he was in having a cup of tea in the jail and one prisoner, two, two guards and just going around the islands and just, I mean, after two hours, I realised actually we have nothing about football here. Yes, Maybe Brian. Brian, what about, what, what about this game next week? <laughs> I used to do him on the whistle. So, he uh, did, yeah. yeah. So, but he'd be live on 2FM. So right. he'd be there going, I'm going to give you a few pointers just before half time there, Rasher. <laughs> Like everything he says in the five minutes leading up to halftime is the column, right? right. And he'd come up. Yeah, so he was talking to you over the. Oh, yeah, he, he was talking live on Two FM to me for my column for our column, and it was my column at night because he wasn't changing it because we had eight nine minutes oh, after the game. Yeah. And Brian trying to walk to a press box after a match is difficult because. Yeah. Loads Everybody of lads, everyone likes course, him. Yeah. trying to come yeah. in to give him a pat in the back on. You should be still down there, bro. <laughs> Greener yeah. and all that. Yeah. And he gets to me, and I turn the laptop to him, and he was like, "Can we change this? And can we put it?" I was like, "No, yeah. <laughs> we can't." <laughs> we have seven minutes, okay? You can you can change the intro, but all of this is these are your words. This is what you said to me on the radio. He used to be exactly that way too. I always got him. He always happened to be in the airport in Copenhagen. <laughs> Um, he said it reached the point where like the people working there were hello Brian he would like, write them though as well he'd always have it written out a lot of people don't they just oh, rely yeah. on you to do the legwork Brian yeah. would have eight, seven, eight hundred words you'd always hear like paper yeah, roughly you to in make, the do your job like, yeah. yeah it's sheets and sheets of paper yeah. like he'd put so much work into it um, but yeah it was especially that spell it yeah. was just amazing like standing watching you know kids mm. matching the fair it is a different relationship doing it for a, for a newspaper column than doing it for a book like yeah. a, a book is a more kind of drawn out thing yeah. and and I often think that that the, the people themselves they sort of treat a book a wee bit different mm. because they're you know Okay, newspapers are there for posterity, but people don't think of them in the same kind of, of way. Course, yeah. Whereas they, you know, they think, yeah. right, I'll do my column for a Wednesday, and sure, if it turns out that is complete horseshit, yeah. well, I'll do another one next There'll Wednesday, and, and, and who care? I tried to treat them the same, but you can't. Yeah. You can't. Where, where? Well, I just think that the people themselves, the 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 whose whose name go on the column or on the book, mm. think of it differently. You know, they think of it as. Well, that book is going to be there. It's going to be on the shelf forever. Mm. Whereas the column is, you know, we'll do another one next week. Mm. Mm. Bit different that way. Definitely, yeah. Um, I love I love working with, with Gordon Darcy. Mm. Because, like, and we're in uh, year three of it now because he 
would we'd be chatting away for forty minutes, and he'd have these big ideas. And about forty minutes in, he would start talking about how you tackle Mananu or Manu yeah. Tuilagi, and he'd just talk away to me, and he'd be just telling me for about five ten minutes about how you do it. And I'm like, that's your column. Right, <laughs> that's right, it right there. Yeah. We have to stop. We have to get off the phone. Yeah. And he'd be like, well, and I was going, no, we'll do that next week. Trust me, that is it. You've nailed it. Like, because again, he goes think, inside the, the... And in fairness to you, Gavin, because people do think that the that the job of ghostwriting, it's, it's almost, it's a transcription service. Right. Whereas it's not. Whereas it's, it's exactly as you say there. It's divining what the story is, what the column would be about, putting the structure on it. Because that's the skill that we bring yeah. that these people don't well, have. He's, like, he's the ar- just, just as you don't know, <laughs> you wouldn't be great at tackling my nanu. Exactly, yeah. Well, he's the architect. Oh, I don't know. He's the architect. He brings he brings the, the building blocks. We're just the four men on the site, you know what I mean? That, that puts it together. Is. Like, yeah. Like, we are, like, whatever. It's 20% of the work is what us, but we can't do it without him, you know what I mean? Absolutely, like, he yeah. comes in with it. I, I love it. Like, in normally after a couple of years, they... They run out of steam, mm. but he keeps coming with fresh ideas, and I think people really like it. You know, I, lo- I still like working with him anyway. Mary, uh, play it again. Des available in all good shops and most bad ones, I guess. That's how we finish up. Every shade of bookshop. <laughs> so get out there. <laughs> Although there's, uh, I don't have a percentage. So what's your I'm, favorite I'm part of the now. book, by the way, Mary? What was your? What's if you're? Sell I, it to us. I mean, the personal stuff. I, I mean, his sporting experience, like, you know, he's covered. He's been, he's been a zealot, like, so like he's there for It was kind of yeah. too big, almost. Like, there was just so much in it. But, like, there was a lot of personal stuff. And just even his kind of training, like, working for kind of provincial Kerry, papers. Yeah. yeah um, it was interesting. Because, I mean, I certainly would come from the time where you were told that was the best route, mm-hmm. you know. And so that that was kind of interesting. But he's just, he's a good fella, you know. He's a good fella. He's and, a grand. Yes, and enjoyed enjoyed the time with them. So yeah, yeah, good fun. Well, listen, Mary, thanks a million for coming in, giving us the benefit of your wisdom, and uh, thank you very much. Mary has Elvis the building, and John O'Sullivan's on the line to talk about the November internationals that started on Saturday night. A nice gentle introduction, Gav. Italy swatted aside, nobody gets hurt, and uh, we move on. Um, the whole point of it is was to narrow down his options anyway. So if someone had got hurt, it would have just been helpful. We've got yeah. an abundance of riches in nearly every position now. So yeah. I think we've sorted out... Uh, looks, the, Schmidt gave the hint that Rob Carney's injured mm. and so Jordan Lamar gets gets to keep 15 for a while. That, ha- that has to be... That can't he, even be a debate, can he it? He scoffed at me last week when I was suggesting that, uh, that, that Larmer would be the next... Rob uh, Carney was fit. Rob <laughs> Carney was playing, I think. Uh, Larmer was brilliant, wasn't he? He was just a joy to behold. Mm. Uh, first, first star for Ireland. Is he twenty one yet? Even a hat trick. Who does that remind you of? You know, indeed. <laughs> uh, and the way he did it, uh, I've seen him score tries like that uh, at schoolboy level, and I saw him doing it for Ireland twenties against England. So when he broke loose, when he broke free uh, for that magic, magic mm. try, I was like, oh, he's going to go all the way here. All Not done. like another player who uses his head and stops and slows down. It's just all he's done that millions of times. So him doing it in an Ireland jersey, um, we have a superstar like. No point in, I'm not over it. John, uh, he was a good crack this morning in the paper, Jordan Larmer, uh, even talking about the All Blacks. He says, uh, looking to the All Blacks, no one is scared of them, no one is afraid of them. They're a quality team and so are we. We just need to turn up on the day and we can turn them over. Joe will love that sort of crack. Yeah, no, you could just see him pinning that to Jordan Larmer's forehead. <laughs> I'll never repeat any of that again. I don't care what else you say. But that's the, um, I suppose, the beauty of youth from our perspective is because you do want people to express an opinion. And he is right. They are beatable and all that sort of stuff. But it's, it's unusual for a player to uh, express it uh, ahead of a game. 
uh, like that. So yeah, it's it's nice. It's nice that he has that confidence. But if you look at the way he plays, he plays with that confidence. Now it's it's backed up by a lot of hard work. And Joe Schmidt will, has pointed to the fact that he, that he works very hard and he listens and his attention to detail is very good. I think I think Andrew Conway might be a contender for the fifteen jersey at the weekend. I just it'll be interesting to see how close Rob Carney is to fitness and who Joe Schmidt wants to play at fullback for the New Zealand game. Um, so I don't know if it's a clear cut. I think it's, it's a hard thing to say when, when a player has played as well as Jordan Armour has and he scored three tries to, to question whether he might be in the team for Saturday. I think he's, I think he's um, Schmidt said Rob's going to struggle, Rob Carney's going to struggle to train on Tuesday. So mm-hmm. by Schmidt rules, that's, that's him ruled out. And I don't think he's messing around there. So nope. yeah, uh, you're right though about the fullback thing and Larmer was shown up a little bit in Toulouse positionally and Schmidt even said it straight after the game after this wonder game of your lifetime mm-hmm. he did point out his positional flaws but uh, yeah you're right John's right uh, Conway is, is an option that has to be looked at as well because he's a better more evolved fullback but otherwise the team's picked John isn't it Not, except for scrum half and number 12 who you're, you're going to fill in the blanks for us now but <laughs> otherwise the team is picked isn't it you can na- we can name it Thank you for that poison chalice. Yeah, um, I, think, I think that you probably have a little bit of question about four, five, and six, um, depending what he wants to do in seven. Sorry, I, I, Argentina have a have a big pack, and it depends. I think it's it's looking ahead to the New Zealand game as well. So, yeah. it, what's your preferred second row pairing? Ryan and Henderson, who's on the bench. Um, uh, Tyburn are either starters on the bench. I think Tyburn is the best forward in Europe for the last two seasons. So he has to be in the Ireland squad or Ireland team going forward. So you're you're retiring Devon Toner here essentially. No, no well, actually, do you know what happened a couple of years ago when it was Dunica Ryan Neen Henderson? Uh, Joe made that decision. He made that step, and Devon Toner's reaction to that was to bring his absolute guaranteed lineup ball and levels of consistency to a whole new level. He's become an even better player than anyone even dreamed two years ago, three years ago. So he is in the form of his life. East of me did take his entire, all his giraffes, his line-outs over to Chicago. So they were all over there, James Ryan, Toner. So they're clearly working on the line-outs for these two games all that week, all of last week. But Ian Henderson's world-class, James Ryan is world-class, Tyg Byrne is world-class. Mm. So unless you make Tyg Byrne the back row cover and then Deb Toner gets, holds onto the bench. Otherwise, I think that's, that's it. What do you, do you, John, do you agree? And Sean O'Brien's the open side, surely, yeah? Uh, I think that they may pick one of Tyg Byrne, Ian Henderson at six. Uh, I think they might look at it that way. Um, if they have a plan for the line out and they want to play like if these two, like Henderson and Byrne are phenomenal athletes. So they can, and they can comfortably play six as well. Are you dropping Peter O'Mahony? No, no, no. I think Peter O'Mahony might shift across to the other side of the back row. Yeah, he did I that think, in Australia. Okay, yeah. I think, I think they may look at something like that because... <laughs> They'll want to be competitive. They'll want to go after. If, you, if you're going to, if you look at destabilizing the All Blacks, you've got to look at the platform that you're going to destabilize. Sorry, jumping ahead a week. If you're looking at Argentina, it's the, it's the same thing as well, where uh, you try and take away their platform up front. So you take away their platform at the line out. And if you pick, if you take it, Peter O'Mahony, Tag Bernie, and Henderson, Devin Toner, James Ryan, somewhere in that mix. You've got a very, very good line-out, your own line-out as well. And Ireland used their line-out and set-piece uh, to launch so many attacks. So it's very important to them. So I think it's not as linear in terms of selection as you might think. And I think it could be that one of Ian Henderson or Thigh Byrne might play in the uh, at number six and with Peter O'Mahony at seven. It's gas. We're not mentioning Reese Ruddock anymore. And you, you were watching a bit of Dan Levy down in South Africa. Um 
can well has Levy just not enough time to get back and get in, or so does that rule him out, or what do you think? Because Dan Levy was our was just the great open side in Europe, and now we're now he's not even in the conversation all of a sudden. What and then and Josh van der Flaer. This is a ridiculous conversation, but uh, can you find any room for any of the three three of them? I think injuries. I think Reece Willock has been outstanding. I think he was very unfortunate. It's the timing of the injuries that have have killed uh, Reece Willock to a certain degree, and, and Levy, yeah. as well. I think it's just they're really, really unfortunate with the timing of the injuries. It's not a reflection on them as players. They're they're outstanding players. I just think that when you look at the form going into the match, the momentum, it will be tough for them to break into the side based on the fact that they were sent to play. Well, Dan Levy, sorry, was sent to play with his province at the weekend and I think they're just looking for him to accumulate game time Joe Schmidt may have a plan for the New Zealand match but I don't think Dan Levy can get in for the Argentina game I think when you look at the back row I think when you look at Sean O'Brien it's it's ridiculously tough call yeah but the pack um, will be uh, and just disagree with me if you can but besides Ty Burnforce's way and I think the pack is the guys who stayed at home well James Ryan went and didn't play so Healy best yeah. Furlong Ryan Henderson O'Mahony, you, I know you disagree with that there, and that point was well made. CJ Standard at number eight, and then open side O'Brien, probably. Um, just because they were all kept back, you know. Um, and then somehow that evolves a little bit into the All Black game as well. Yeah, I think I think there will be changes between Argentina and the All Blacks. Yeah, he always does. There'll be, it'll be yeah. about 12 of the All Black team will be named, I'd say, yeah? Against yeah, Argentina. Yeah, absolutely. I think there will be changes. So maybe, maybe, maybe it's, and, and to use a cliche, it's horses for courses. He's looking at something specific against Argentina that will be slightly different in terms of the composition, the back five in the pack, that will be different for the for the New Zealand game when they'll want to pose slightly different challenges. Conversation's over about, about Ring Rose, though. Yeah, he plays 13, yeah. He plays 13, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, one thing we didn't discuss at full back and, and uh, you saw Robbie Henshaw creep back there to play for Leinster in a match um, for a little bit, for about 20 minutes, um, is, yeah, I mean, you want to you want to try and get... Like, Robbie Henshaw has been excellent, consistently excellent. Uh, and I think he's just ahead in the the, uh, the stakes, if you like, to partner Gary Ringrose as the first choice centre combination at the moment. What are Argentina like, Gavin? Um... The last, my last side of Argentina was terrible. They had a really good rugby championship mm-hmm. and they, they gave the All Blacks, yeah, a, real games, a fright like, and then they ran out of juice. But against Australia, I think Czech nearly lost his job in the last rugby mm. championship game. They were 20 odd points down at half time. And you were thinking, okay, Argentina are real. They've beaten South Africa in this, they, they've beaten Australia by a fluke. And then they're about to they reinforce that and beat Australia for a second time. And then they absolutely tanked in the second half of their last game. Australia racked up 30 points. And a really poor Australian team, let's exactly. be honest. And they made two, good, two good world-class players, not knowing who their, t- their team is. And Argentina, and I know John's going to disagree with me on this because I know he really likes Argentina, but they are not uh, up to scratch um, as a, from that performance in the second half against Australia when they had the real chance, they didn't deliver. And the thing is, they have one team, the Jaguars, which they can't, and then they add in two or three world-class players from Europe. And you can't build a rugby th- nation on one professional mm. team. It's not workable. It's never been done before. And until they expand properly, um, it's just not doable. They need to have something going in Europe or they need to have a second professional team. Mm. Um, they actually probably could be jaded because they've actually, essentially, this squad has played the entire Super Rugby campaign together and now they've played the entire <coughs> Rugby Championship together and now they have to go on tour I'd say they're there for the taking. We should the team that we're going to put out should put them away. What do you think they'll bring John on Saturday? 
I think they'll be very entertaining to watch. I think they have a back three that's as good as you'll find in international rugby. Gab is, is right. Uh, they were 31-7 up against Australia at halftime at home. And they contrived to lose 45. Mm. I think, I'm not sure even they scored in the second half. They might have scored a penalty or something like that. They were awful. So it was it was literally the game of, of two halves. And Cheka lost his reason because they, there's footage of him in the changing rooms yeah. at halftime, absolutely berating his team. And, and he, he kind of... Set, Whatever he said to them worked, but I think uh, it's a very good point that Gav made. I think Argentina just running out of gas slightly, and that's on the basis, and Gav's right about this, on picking virtually exclusively from one club. And it will be difficult, and they're not picking a lot of their European-based players. They still have some absolutely outstanding players, like the, the back three in particular, the fullback, Buffelli and Delpui on a wing, and then you've got Moyano on another wing. Um, they just have options. They've got some fantastic uh, forwards as well, like Lavanini and Matera, and they'll come and play. And I, I spoke to Felipe Contopomi last Monday at a Leinster press conference and asked him about it. And he was saying, look, they're a work in progress at the moment. He said, we tend to get things right by World Cups. And there is evidence of that, that Argentina do get things right by World Cups. And while Ireland should, and and, and I think will win on Saturday, um, this is an Argentina team that I wouldn't write off ahead of, of next year's World Cup in Japan. Sorry, John, when you say that, they, that they're not picking some of their European players, is, is that a, a, a pointed thing or do they just not make the squad? No, I think it's a pointed thing. I think they're, they've decided that uh, for the time being, they're going to leave the, lead them out. I mean, there are two or three players that they could, they could have picked, certainly, and they haven't. They've chosen not to. So... Uh, Ledesma and, and Felipe Cantopomi was talking about this as well. He said Ledesma is very much his own man. He's come in, he's done his own thing. Like Ledesma played a lot of rugby in Europe, so there he's would a way be better no coach, John, isn't he? Than we thought because he, he yeah. Checa always backed him. Checa took him from South France, took him mm. into the Australian setup, and we're going, right. oh, here's a good assistant coach, crazy uh, wild hooker who used mm. to fight with everyone in Munster yeah, yeah, and all I remember the time. Him, yeah. Worked yeah. under Schmidt, remember too, but yes. uh, he's turned into a really good character. Like he, he's turned into a. a Really interesting and clever quote with Quesada yeah. is working in the background there with the Jaguars. Um, he's way better than we actually thought uh, he could be as a head coach. So they do have him steadying the ship, but Ireland are way further down the track. Um, this should be just a. I can see Ireland that there's systems, the formats, the way Ireland playing out. This is the game that Schmidt has stayed. Didn't come to Chicago for it to hit the ground running. Mm. Um, I think Argentina can be um, put away. We don't tend to put them away, though, that, it, it, that, that often. It tends to be quite violent, these games, yeah. over the years. So hopefully we get a bit of that. Um, <laughs> that's what the crowd want, isn't it? I'm not so sure it'll be that. I don't think they'll have the energy to be violent during the match, uh, Argentina. I think they'll be they'll be kind of... Uh, and they're a bit of a different proposition, John, aren't they? They're, they're, they're a different sort of Argentinian side to, yes. to yeah. the past. If you look at, uh, and as Felipe would pronounce it, the Jaguares uh, that mm. he uh, worked with down in Argentina, if you look at what he's brought to Leinster, the offloading game, runners down the middle, all that sort of stuff, you, you, see, you see that with Argentina as well. They make a lot of line breaks. And against all three uh, teams in the rugby championship, they made a lot of line breaks. Their problem was that when the game speeded up, their defence wasn't as organised and well-structured as it might have been, and they leaked a lot of tries. But they do score tries. And like I say, yeah. I think their back three is, is exceptional. What we do know is that uh, the one of the, the hot points from next weekend, as last weekend, is going to be the tackle area. Like Owen Farrell's hit on um, mm. Esther Hazen. Um, 
in the England South Africa game. Yeah, which Saturday. won the game, which won the test match and could have actually, again, I, I'm, I'm saying a bit dramatic, but could have sa- saved Eddie Jones's job. <laughs> they needed to win this test. Yeah. They needed to win a game. Uh, and he tackled like his dad used to tackle in rugby league. Um, most, the majority of people think there wasn't a rap. I saw a rap. I saw him touch the ball with his left hand as he get it around. You want ju- justice for Owen? Uh, so did Angus Gardner, so did the TMO. Um, a lot of the, the the general opinion is it should have been a penalty. The siding commission agreed and said it was below the red heart red card threshold. But it is the um, it's the, it's an impossible situation for the player. You can't make a decision to go. He went as he went middle. He didn't go high. Didn't go low. You go low, you get concussed. Um, and the referees are basically an impossible situation and it's going to happen again it's probably going to happen again in New Zealand, England at Twickenham it's probably going to happen in Argentina, Ireland we're going to see hits that are going to pretty much influence the result Funny that was the big sort of talking point uh, on on Saturday night John that kind of went around and as tends to happen in these things because it went around social media it went around uh, in slow motion so when you see the tackle in slow motion and you see the South African lads uh, head snap back it looks terrible and in the context of you know Cipriani a couple of weeks ago the I think that sort of fed into it over the weekend yeah very much so I mean I, I disagree slightly with Gav in the sense that I think that if you stand upright in a tackle then you take the consequences if the contact is with the, the first point of contact is above we'll call it the nipple line with the shoulder I think World Rugby, and, and I do agree, referees have a tough job, but but there was a lot of, of, well, he's from the Southern Hemisphere, and if it had been a Northern Hemisphere referee, it, it might have been officiated differently. But the bottom line is the, the laws are the laws. How and would you coach need, that tackle, John? There needs to be a consistency in ter- of interpretation. So you can't just turn around and say, well, he's from the Southern Hemisphere, so he interprets the laws differently. It, it's, either, it's either a card and a penalty, or it's a penalty or whatever, but you there has to be uniformity in the way they interpret. And that is the challenge during the November test where window, as Gav says, like the, there's going to be a million tackles coming up in the in the next three weeks of matches. Yeah, but how, how do you coach that tackle, John? Uh, if, you're, uh, if you're coaching Owen Farrell now, it, let's say he got, it was a penalty, South Africa won the game. Or, or let, let's, just, let's just flip it over onto the line and England lost the match because of that tackle. What do you yeah. say to him? Because if he goes low, he gets run over. If he goes... If, no, no. If, you, if your technique is good, it's like anything else. Like this this culture, the modern culture, because there are a lot of, of over the last 15, 15 to 20 years, the, a lot of defence coaches came from rugby league. And in those days, when it was legal in rugby league, which is no longer legal to shoulder charge and all that sort of stuff, you stayed upright to try and wrap the ball to try and prevent the offload. But rugby has survived for over 100 years by people tackling around the hips and the legs and the thighs and all that sort of stuff. So it's not as if this has never been done before or you can't stop a big player. You can stop a big player. You've got to adjust your technique. But because stopping the offload is key in the modern game, that's why players stand up and attempt the rap tackle. But if you stand up and attempt the rap tackle and you get it wrong and you mistime it by accident, no malice, whatever it is, or use you know a lot of force, and you face then getting sent off, or a yellow card, or a penalty. And going I think low it, is dangerous, though. That's the thing for the tackler. If we, they start going low, we're just going to we're going to get more and more injuries for the tackler. That's my point, and that, that's what it's going to eventually happen. We're going to be forced. The lads are going to be forced to go lower, and then they're going to have a whole new set more, of more injuries. I mean, the, the one thing you would say is if you want to get rid of head injuries as much as you can, is don't have a clash of heads by two players standing upright going into a collision. Need to that's head. That's when you get a clash of heads. Mm-hmm. That's when you get the serious HIAs. I'm not saying there wasn't concussion in the old days when people had to tackle lower, but people had to tackle lower. That was the game. It's only in the last kind of 20 years or so that you you have this kind of 
a more modern phenomenon where it's a kind of rugby league style tackle. Well, there is upright, there, and, upright and in. There is uh, no chance that this is the last we uh, we speak of this sort of stuff. So we will uh, keep further. I've been, insights. I've been silenced. <laughs> we will keep further insights for the next round of this, which may even come next Monday morning. Without doubt. Uh, thank you very much, John. Uh, thanks for helping us out. Uh, thank you, Gavin. Uh, for helping me again thank you Declan behind the desk thank you Mary who was in earlier uh, talking to us uh, so wonderfully and thank you to everybody for listening and we'll see you all again